welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. This is the place where we take a no bullshit look at life's little lessons. Here, together, we find the spiritual glory in even the most wicked hard story. This is a journey from fear back to love and how we can find our greatest strength and happiness in some of the most unlikely places. I believe that if you're willing to change your mind, you can totally change your life. So, are you ready to rewrite your story and choose to live free? Let's do this. Hey, you guys. Welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. I'm wicked excited to be here with you. And... I think this sucker is going to be really uh, fast, fast and furious. And I'm going to call it, I think, because this just was like uh, running around in my head. I just got off a call with a um, a one-to-one coaching client from the Quest. Um, But it's something that I've talked about in the Nest, my membership, and just over the years. But so I'm going to call this the unlearning process, the unlearning process process. So what I see talked about a lot, it's kind of out in the world and especially in the personal development world, the coaching world, the transformational quote unquote, and spiritual world is that people often want to talk about the learning process. Like how do we learn? How do we create new uh, habits and new neural networks? And how do we learn how to be the best version of ourselves? And we need to learn how to do X, Y, and Z. But the path that a lot of people skip or that doesn't get a lot of attention is that first there has to be an unlearning process, right? So I am a wicked long time, as many of you know, uh, like 35, I don't know, wicked long time plus she is, of, as being a student of A Course in Miracles. And so a lot of how my brain has been trained over the years is by kind of working with this material and seeing the genius and hold on, I gotta, I gotta take a sip of water here. Hold on. Okay. Seeing the genius of, um, how the workbook in A Course in Miracles is set up. So it's like 365 daily lessons. And then the first half of the lessons is about relinquishing, undoing giving up, letting go of a thought system of fear. And then the remaining lessons, right? The second half is about putting in its place, accepting instead, living from a thought system that is based on love. And what is really spelled out very clearly for me and how my brain has been trained over the years is if I just try to be a bull in a china shop and come in and say, well, I'm just going to use my sheer willpower. And I'm going to probably do a whole other episode called like why willpower won't work. Why, like why willpower all by itself won't work. But if I just try to come in and change a longstanding thing, a longstanding habit, a longstanding way of being or whatever, um, without first trying to undo the the structures and the systems and the habits and the patterns that have been in place for a long time, like good fucking luck, good luck weakening that neural network, like bringing that thing down, unlearning that thing. And so a lot of times it's like people think, well, I'm just going to be positive and I'm going to use positive affirmations and I'm going to like change myself and change my habits and change these things that I've been doing for a wicked long time. And I'm like, you you can think 
positive like all you want. You can say your mantras, but you need an unlearning process first. And that's why I jokingly talk about um, as an integrative hypnotist, you know, people will say, oh, you're going to hypnotize me. You're going to da, da, da. And I say, well, actually, I use hypnosis. They're going to like, you're going to hypnotize me to stop doing something or to what? I'm like, actually, I use hypnosis to dehypnotize people, to help them to unlearn these patterns, these conditioning, these habits, these thought systems that have been put in place. So before we can learn, before we can relearn, before we can remember who we truly are, we have to like let go of who we've been. We have to re before we can rewire, we have to like unwire and get rid of some of the habits, some of the stories we've been telling, some of the behaviors, the the thought patterns that haven't been that helpful, that haven't been that empowering, that haven't been that uh, fantastic to have around. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that one of the cool things about the work that I do in bringing together the sacred, right, with the science, the subconscious reprogramming with the spirituality, like bringing these, these aspects together is we can use the power of the both of them to kind of unlearn these thought systems of fear, which show up as anxiety, depression, addictions, and all these other things, and learn how to replace them eventually once we unlearn, once we kind of, um, I don't, I don't want to say, but like kind of like weaken those neural networks that have been firing together and wiring together, together for so long so that we can put better thought systems, better neural networks, better things in place that lead to changes, that lead to habits and transformations that in lives really, in businesses, et cetera, that people really want to have. But we can't keep trying to use the same old shitty ingredients you know, to, to make something new, we have to throw some things out first. We have to, we have to get rid of them first. And so one of the things that's required of us is that we become aware that about 95 to 98%, this is what, this is what the neuroscientists are telling us now between 95 to 98% of what we think, what we say, what we feel, what we do comes from our, our unconscious mind. So a lot of times we're not even aware of the stuff that we're saying, that we're thinking, that we're feeling, that we're on like repeat, that we're like little robots in a way. That's just kind of pulling from our past history, from our past experiences, and then also pulling from um, our projecting into the future. And that's where the anxiety and the worry lives. And then you look in the past and you kind of look at what has gone on before. And then almost always, because the brain is lazy, it's designed to conserve energy, it's gonna go to what's familiar. So before we can kind of introduce new things, we have to break up the old things. We have to kind of break up the patterns. Or there's a line somewhere. I think Swami Kripalu was the first one um, that that used this phrase, and I've always loved it. It's like um, I always say that the work that I do is to is to free you from the consequence. This is my my way of saying it: free you from the consequence of being yourself. <laughs> to free you up from the habits and the patterns, uh, like break, you know what they say, you got to break that habit. That is not, that is not a soothing or a helpful habit. And I said, we got to kind of break that habit 
the habituation of you being you, of you getting in your own way, of you being yourself. And of course, we want to be our most authentic and genuine and loving and amazing and brilliant and creative selves. But I would not say that our states of anxiety, the ways we get into fear, the ways that we get into anxiety, depression, addiction, um, all, all those patterns that may have started off as survival instincts, survival techniques, um, things that were adaptive right? We, we, we tried to take our circumstances and find adaptive ways of surviving. Like at some point, they stop being helpful. They become maladaptive. They, they become roadblocks. And so we need to create pattern interrupts. And there's lots of different tools for this that I share with my clients when I work with them, right? Like, and I could name them all off, right? Things that I've learned from my teachers, things that I've tried on my own and discovered through yoga, like breath work and stuff like that. But also things like, you know, um, if you've ever seen the Bob Newhart video, <laughs> if you're old enough to know who Bob Newhart is, just Google Bob Newhart, stop it. And I literally play that video for my clients all the time to say to them, hey, this is what we need to do. We need to do like a hard stop so that we can become conscious of our unconscious thoughts and patterns and conditioning and behaviors that actually trip us up and get in our way. So 95 to 98% of what we're thinking, saying, doing, behaving, all those things, the choices that we're making, the decisions that we're making, they're coming from our unconscious. And those suckers are slippery and they're sneaky and they just skate right on by. They just like, they just kind of like conga. What's that thing? What's that thing called? Not conga. When you try to like go under the bar. Oh my God. What is that thing at parties when you try to like backbend, like to get under the bar? <laughs> it's going to drive me crazy <laughs> till I think of it. But they will just shimmy right underneath that bar, right? They'll fly right underneath the radar if we don't put some habits in place that allow our mind. And this is why I tell my clients all the time that having a DSP, having a daily spiritual practice is so important, especially one that involves meditation. So this past month in the nest, um, the module, the lesson that we were working on is called the five D's of DSP, of daily spiritual practice. And that's daily dedication, determination, discipline, and devotion. And we dive into this very deeply. And, and one of the things I talk to them about is um, having a DSP that involves some sort of meditation that allows you to train your brain. But part of what it's doing is it's helping you to untrain your brain from all the shit that it's already doing that's not working anymore, all the stuff that's getting in your way. Because when we, when we take time to meditate and to train our brain, to discipline our mind, so that we can slow down enough so that we, there's a moment where we recognize a still point where a choice can actually happen and also a place where we can recognize, oh my God, I'm doing the thing again. Because if we're moving too fast all the time, we don't catch the unconscious you know, stories and the unconscious patterns of behavior, like physically. You know, like you ever just say like, oh, I'm going to try to stop chewing my fingernails. And before you know it, like your fingers are back in your mouth, right? And this is why stuff like hypnosis, I often think of hypnosis as a pattern interrupt, right? Hypnosis is a really powerful thing. And not stage hypnosis and street hypnosis where people are going to try to get you to cluck like a chicken or do weird shit or run around and write and do stuff. And that's the other thing too. First of all, let me just say this. You won't do anything in hypnosis that you wouldn't already consciously, if you were conscious, be okay with doing. 
Like you can't get tricked into all of a sudden stripping naked if you're or whatever, like something crazy like that, if you weren't somebody who was already really comfortable with doing that. So it's not like you are mesmerized and under the control of the, of the you know, the crazy bad manipulative hypnosis. That's not how it works. I always use uh, hypnosis, like I said, to dehypnotize people. I like to to, to use hypnotization to dehypnotize people from from old habits and patterns and stories and stuff that have been getting in their way and keeping them from having right the happiness and the peace and the life and the love and the experiences the businesses that they want to create and and stuff like the things that you want to start I'm like hey you got something you want to stop doing hypnosis is helpful you have something you want to start doing right hypnosis is helpful and a lot of times what we need to stop doing is shit that's not working anymore. So the unlearning process is an important part of it. And sometimes we want to just kind of skip over that. We're like, this is what I'm doing now. And I want to start doing this. And I'm like, well, okay, here's the thing though. You're doing the thing that you're doing now for a reason. And if we can look at it without pathologizing it, without making it bad, without shaming ourselves, without piling all this guilt and like, what's fucking wrong with me? And why can't I? If we can just kind of step back and look at it from both a spiritual perspective and a science perspective and say, oh, these are conditions and habit, habits. These might be survival techniques. The, this might be a shield that you created to defend yourself or whatever. You can kind of get under the under. But first, we're going to teach you how to fucking stop it. You know, We're going to say like, hey, we're going to learn how to stop this. And we're going to give the brain and the, the neural network uh, a chance to create something new. But part of, part of being able to build a new, stronger neural network, as they say that neurons that fire together, wire together, in order to be able to do that, it's very helpful to kind of get some of those, um, to stop some of those old patterns right in their tracks. Because when you do that, when you're going down pattern highway, right, when you're driving down your old pattern road of the consequence of you being you and getting the same result you always get, and you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. Well, when you learn some really great pattern interrupts from working with somebody like me or whoever, another coach who maybe uses these tools, right, what happens is you kind of force the brain to make new um, decisions, new pathways, to create new neural networks. So then the new empowering things, the better thing, the more helpful things, those suckers, right, start to fire together and they get stronger. But undoing them, weakening the old ones first. And like, here's just an example. Like when you talk to a smoker, and I used to be a smoker like back in the day. And for whatever reason, I, I was just always able, like when I decided to quit, I would just quit. I would go cold turkey. I did that set. So the last time I ever smoked, I'll never forget. It was, it was New Year's Eve. And I said to myself, hey, tomorrow I'm stopping. And at that point, I was smoking like a pack a day. Had been for a year or more at that time. Because I've started and stopped like many times over my lifetime. I haven't had a cigarette though in like fucking 20. I don't know. It's been a long time. Since I think 2001-ish around that time. But I decided like, hey, that's it. I'm done. And um, for whatever reason, I was able to do that. Um, but wait, where was I going with that? Mm and we're back. I just remember where I was going with that. Okay. So if you talk to a smoker, they usually have like certain times of the day or certain things that they're doing in their life that is a trigger for the craving. So it's a little bit easier to kind of knock down as somebody, again, if, if you were going to a hypnotist for that, 
to be able to kind of knock down that craving to those specific times. So I'll just make some things up. But if you're a smoker, you can probably relate to this, right? People will say, especially if you're also a coffee drinker, people will say, oh, that first cup of coffee in the morning. Got to have a smoke with that, right? Like so, people double amen hands. If you, if you, I'm not a coffee drinker, but I, I uh, come from a family of coffee drinkers, right? So it's like, okay, for some people, it's like, oh, as soon as I roll over in bed, they grab, they grab their smoke. Some people they wait till they're sitting at the table, right? And and they got their coffee and then they smoke a butt. Then they'll say like, oh, at lunchtime when I take my lunch break, right? Or when when I have a smoking break at work, right? And there's a trigger for that. It's like whatever the thing is, it's like whether it's the timing or the food or whatever, and then like after dinner or whatever. So people tend to have their favorite times throughout the day where there is a really strongly associated like neural network to that thing. But there's a trigger, there's something that's triggering the, the, the craving. And if you can knock that thing down, right? If you can kind of unlearn that pattern, then all of a sudden it's a lot easier to change the habit. So it's really fascinating. So I don't think that the unlearning process gets as much attention or respect that it deserves and how powerful it is when we are trying to create change, when we are trying to create transformation. And if we can look at the current thing that we're doing, and if we can slow down enough with the help of like a DSP or a daily spiritual practice or meditation or contemplation or something where you get reflective, where you're slowed down enough that you can catch yourself doing things, right? Then you have a greater chance of recognizing like, oh, there it is again. There's the thing. There's the craving. There's the, there's the thought that kind of triggers that. And then if we can look at it without shame, without blame, without judgment, without criticism, without, um, with, with, you know, the cruel critic in your head, like barking orders at you is why, why you're a piece of shit and you're stupid and why do you do that or whatever its story is. We can meet ourselves with a little curiosity and a little compassion and a little bit of kind of like calm and just say like, hey, I wonder what that's about. And then if we can introduce some tools that strengthen the unlearning process. And you know how most things get done in the brain, you guys? Repetition, 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 repetition. The brain learns through repeated patterns doing something again and again and again and again. That's why they say, they say repetition is the mother of all learning. And when we don't repeat things, then learning can feel like a motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> it's like, why is this so hard? And I'll be like, well, how many times have you tried to do the unlearning thing? Have you, have you been consistent? Those five Ds, right? Daily, Dedication, determination, discipline, and devotion. Have you consistently been trying to do the unlearning part, right? Before you just try to like force your way with your willpower and changing the consequence of being your self and breaking the habit of being yourself. We got to help ourselves out. There's lots of different little ways to do it. So the next time you go to try to change something, whether it's in the stories that you tell yourself, the habits that you physically do, um, the addictions and the cravings or whatever these things that you have, just pause for a moment and think about how can I start to unlearn this? And it might involve hiring a mentor or a coach, somebody like myself. It might involve going to a hypnotist. All, all these examples point to me, but it's because I can only talk about um, you know, my own experience, like meaning what I teach and what I've gotten mented in myself and who I've worked into, into. And so there's all different kinds of pattern interrupts, right? There's bilateral stimulation, there is tapping, there's EMDR, like there's 
breath work, you know, the physiological side. There's like a, a bunch of stuff that we can learn about and we can put into practice. The great thing about working with a mentor or a coach or somebody who has already done this work and who leads and guides others through this work is that we save you a shit ton of time, a shit ton of energy, sometimes a shit ton of money, and also we save you suffering. And that's the thing is what a good mentor will do. First of all, a good mentor will have good mentors, but we also help things to be more efficient, more effective, and easier. So it's a really good idea. So I just wanted to kind of slide this into, um, into your thought process of thinking about the unlearning process. The un Before we do, we can undo. Before we wire in some new neural networks where we create good associations, where the brain is now starting to become habituated in a positive way, in a more empowering way, how do we um, unhabituate? How do we unwire before we rewire? And how do we unlearn before we relearn, before we remember who we truly are? And that's really what this work is about. I often think that I could talk about my work in a thousand different ways. But one of the things I always say is like, this is a, this is a journey of uh, going on a quest, right? Going on a quest to transform your story to your glory. This is a way of moving from fear back to love. And there's a lot of different ways for me to talk about it, but like that's kind of the heartbeat of it. And the thing is, is that love is what we were born with, A Course in Miracles tells us. Fear is what we learned here. But love is who we are. Love is what we are. Love is how we are. That's how we feel most congruent and in alignment when we're being our truest, most genuine, authentic, loving selves. Right, and that doesn't mean, I always say, remember, love is fierce sometimes. Love's not this wishy-washy, like love is patient, love is kind, yes. And love is fucking fierce sometimes, right? So, but fear has gripped so many of us and so much of us here in the human experience. And so before we wanna kind of start making our trek, that journey, that quest back home to love, we have to kind of relinquish and undo and unlearn the thought systems that are in place and the systems. There's so many systems of fear in our society. Let's, let's talk about that for a second too, right? We, we don't have the levels of racism and homophobia and xenophobia and all the different kinds of hate and scarcity and competition and like all the stuff, all the craziness that we see. That stuff is not possible without really um, high levels of fear and systems that are in place to perpetuate and keep that fear alive, to keep that separation alive, to try to do the whole white supremacy, whatever, whatever, whatever thing, right? All the thousands of ways that the ego mind tries to keep people from uh, recognizing the connection and the oneness and the unity and the love that can exist between us. Um, and si these systems are in place because these systems are not only incredibly powerful, they are perpetuated and they make some people a lot of money and where there's going to be a lot of money and a lot of power, there's not going to be a lot of effort to kind of dismantle those systems, but that's up to us. And this is why, okay. You know, this is why doing this kind of work, our spirituality doesn't stop with just ourselves. Our spirituality also goes into the broader culture, into society, into politics, into all of it. 
because we can't separate it because there's so much fear and we need to undo that fear before we can return to love, before we can remember who we really are. So the unlearning process and the dehypnotizing process is a wicked important part of the journey. So it's just something to consider and something to think about. The next time we try to white knuckle our way into a new habit or just use our brute force and our willpower to change, it's like, how can I kind of loosen my grip and stop like, you know, grasping onto this thing? How can I start to soften and let go and learn better ways of kind of becoming more conscious of my unconscious thoughts, undoing these patterns and conditionings of fear so I can make my way back home to the truth of who I am, which is love. So I hope this little uh, quickie but goodie <laughs> served you in some way, got you thinking uh, in some way. I always say I'm not here to tell you what to think, but it is an invitation to think for yourself and to get curious and to get excited and to sit, like like just think on these things. Because one, it's one of the most important things in this lifetime, you guys, is for you, um, I will say this, for us to know ourselves. For us to have self-knowledge, to know why we do what we do, think what we think, say what we say, believe what we believe. How did we end up with the identity that we ended up with? What's ours and what was actually passed down? What do we no longer want to keep moving forward? What are we ready to surrender? What do we want to strengthen in ourselves? What do we want to unlearn? What do we want to relearn and return to? So you guys, wherever you go, wherever you go, may you take... That, that love that you are with you, wherever you go, may you leave yourself and the people and the planet and the animals and the environment and others, our brothers and sisters, better. May, may everybody be better off for you having been there. Wherever you go, may you be a blessing. Bye. Hey, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of The Karen Kenny Show. <laughs> I super duper appreciate your time, friendship, and support. And look, if something that I shared from my heart today somehow landed in yours, I'd love to hear about it. So please tag me on Facebook or Instagram or IG stories or wherever the cool kids are hanging out these days. And let me know what your favorite part was or what you found most helpful. You can find me over at Karen Kenny Live. That's Karen, K-E-N-N-E-Y-L-I-V-E. -E. And if you're digging what I'm saying and you want to hear more, I'd be wicked grateful if you could go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review because you guys, that's how you'll help me to keep spreading the love. And if you can think of someone that could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. I'd also love to stay connected with you. So if the feeling is mutual, please go to karenkenny.com backslash freebie and download my free guide to building your spiritual team. Until next time, my brothers and sisters, keep living in the fearless flow. Know that I see you, I appreciate you, and I love you. And wherever you go, may you be a blessing. <laughs>